Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 423, and today we are talking about books being released on July 25th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia L. Z. Tuttle, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Patricia, welcome back! Thanks! It's so great to get to talk to you again. I, I've missed being gone. Yes! We haven't spoken since December 21st, 2022. <laughs> I mean, we've we've sent a lot of texts and memes back and forth. I was going to say, like, we communicate, like, all day long, like, on the internet. But, like, we haven't actually spoken. But, yeah, today was one of the, like, why can't I get my sound to work when I need to do this recording to find out that my earphones were not plugged in kind of days. That's, <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's how that day is going. But I was like, but at least Patricia's going to be here. <laughs> yeah, I've I've gotten some really sweet messages over the past few months. So my mom got really sick on like the first day of winter and unexpectedly died on the last day of winter. And it was really unexpected. Uh, she was only 64 and I'm an only child. So I am so grateful for the Book Riot team just letting me know like, hey, we got you covered and we will like take as long as you need. Um, there's always a space for you on all the books. And, you know, I definitely I went for like all those months like I wasn't reading. I wasn't reading yeah. anything. And so even though she passed away in March, like after that, I was just trying to like get some sense of normalcy, get my reading mojo back. Because uh, I know like reading is good for my spirit and good for my mental health. And I've actually had the opportunity to like, rekindle my love of books. Now I like good. suddenly like I can't get enough books. <laughs> I'm reading so much. Yay. Yeah. And I'm finding so much joy in books. And um, in some ways, that extended break was a blessing. Well, we've missed you. And we're so happy that you're back. Thank you. And I'm glad to hear that you still like books. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm glad it didn't go the other way. What's, uh, what's exciting in Liberty Land? Let's see. So you probably heard me screaming in California earlier this morning uh, because on my birthday, one of my favorite authors who does not use social media and did not know that it was my birthday last week, sent me an email saying, I want to send you the manuscript of my next book. And I was so excited oh my when it arrived this morning. So that was very exciting. I'm not trying to be vague. I just, I don't know if he wants it out there in the world yet that there's a book. So <laughs> one of my friends, I mentioned like, like on something blue sky or something that I was like, I'm having a great birthday because my favorite author contacted. 
And she's she keeps texting me. She's like, is it this author? Is it this author? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. And now at this point, it's just fun to torture her. Hi, Melissa. Um, because, you know, it's, I'm just like, you know, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell her after we stop recording. So that's fun. Uh, let's see. The other day, my husband took a bucket and a bunch of rags to, like, wash our truck. And then he set them on the porch when he was done. Uh, and he left them there for a couple of days. So I was like, you need to wash. This is like a quick Real, like, 180. Like, this is completely different now. We're moved on. But I was like, you need to wash those rags. And so he took them downstairs and he threw them in the washing machine and, like, whatever. And so I went to take them out. And as I was pulling them out to put them in the dryer, there were all these dried pieces of corn in the washing machine. (laughs) And it took me, like, many beats to realize that a chipmunk must have found a new hiding spot. And like filled, because <laughs> I said I said you didn't happen to fill that bucket with dried pieces of corn, did you? And he's like, uh, no. <laughs> so they made a little corn nest in the bucket, and I washed it. Oh, <laughs> but they'll be okay. They're super spoiled, and they get a lot of food. So, um, I think they'll be okay. Uh, before we talk some more, we are going to hear from our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be. Right? Right, girl. Like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series, Miss Wong got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. All right, so let's see. We got the cute animal story. I don't have any baby puffin stories anymore because it's that time when it's going to leave the nest now. Like, they leave in the middle of the night uh, because it's safer for babies to leave, like, in the dark so that predators can't see them. 
So the the website that I've been following this live cam is like, you know, we're going to get up one day and the baby's just going to be gone. And so I'm like, I don't, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I watched him until he lost almost all of his fuzz, except on his head. He looked like Doc Brown. And I, was, I said, you know, my goodbyes to the baby puffin man and... You know, I'll tune in again next year. <laughs> well, I have I have a quick bird story. Maybe a quick bird okay. story. When my mom got sick, we had to move um, so that we'd have more space to take care of her. And so we're still in Oakland, California, in the San Francisco Bay Area. We're just in a different part of town. And the place we have now, instead of an apartment, it's part of a house. And so we have our front yard with a bird bath. And the neighborhood has lots of birds, um, including crows and ravens. And so there are... A bunch of crows and ravens just like in this tiny bird bath. And I recently got a lemon tree and it's a pink lemon tree, which you get what? pink lemons. Yes. So the lemons on the Barbie outside, lemons. on the outside, they are yellow and green striped. And then you cut them open and they're pink. They are what? the most obnoxious looking lemons. I can't wait until I finally get any lemons. Anyway, my friend left a tiny toy llama in the lemon tree because we harass each other with llamas. That's a whole other story. But my wife, Nicole, keeps catching one of the crows stealing the llama. And the other day it stole the llama, flew across the street, went onto like the telephone wire or the electrical wire, and then figured out it wasn't food and dropped it. So Nicole retrieved it. And just the other day, we woke up and there was there was no llama. Llama's gone. Llama's uh, gone. And we don't know if one of the crows took it. Somebody needed a friend. Maybe he needed a friend. I'm looking at these lemons online right now. They look like little watermelons. They're really cute. And they're really like you pick them when they have when they're yellow with green stripes and mm-hmm. they're sour, they're lemons, but they're also like kind of tangy. And huh. I've made lemonade with them. And then we also like we'll make lemonade, but if you keep letting them grow, they just kind of lose their stripes and the flavor mellows out. Huh. Very strange. I learned something new today. Weird lemons. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to talk about books now. Very excited to do this. Before we get into that, I want to ask you, what do S.A. Cosby, Khaled Hosseini, and Sarah Bakewell have in common? They have been guests on Book Riot's newest podcast, First Edition. I guess I should include myself on that list now because I've been a guest on it too. <laughs> on First Edition... BookRiot.com co-founder Jeff O'Neill explores the wide bookish world. You can subscribe to hear these authors, to hear Jeff, and you can stay on to find out what Book Riot editor's it book pick of the month is. So to subscribe, search first edition in your podcast player of choice. All right. We're going to talk about books now. I'm a little under the weather, I'm afraid, so... My, my descriptions are kind of short today because I need to go back to bed, but I, I couldn't miss recording the podcast. Like, you know, of course not. Never. I know not, especially not like Patricia's <laughs> episode where she comes back. I couldn't miss it. So I'm going to kick it off with a great one. It is The Weaver and the Witch Queen by Genevieve Gornicek. We here at Book Riot are big fans of Gornicek's last novel, The Witch's Heart, which is a historical fantasy with monsters 
and Loki and witches. It was great fun. This one is set in 10th century Norway in the Viking Age. It's also a historical fantasy. There are also witches, and it is such great fun. It also contains one of my favorite tropes, which I realize, does it even have a name, this trope? I don't know. But it is the unspeakable prophecy trope. I love when a character in a book or a movie goes to have their fortune told or have a prophecy read and the the fortune teller or the sorceress or the, the seer, whoever is going to be giving them, you know, is like, ah, all scared at what they see and they can't speak it. I don't know like what you would call that trope, but I love it. And it's in this book. There is a young girl named Gunhild. She is a child with two friends, sisters Odni and Signy. They live across the way from Gunhild's family's place. And at the beginning of the book, they are coming across the way on their boat because there's going to be a big feast at Gunhild's place. The seeress is coming to read people's fortunes, tell them their their fortunes. And so all this stuff is happening. It's all very exciting. Except Gunhild's mother is a horrible, horrible person. She's very terrible and abusive to her. Uh, she always has been. And she tells Gunhild that she is not to have her fortune told. Like, she's not allowed to participate. Like, anybody can go up and say, hey, tell me what's going on. And Gunhild's mother forbids it. But she's like, I can't remember, she's like 11, 12. And she's feeling pretty rebellious this night. And she's feeling pretty brave because there's all these people around. So she disobeys her mother and walks up with her two friends and the CRS is like, Ugh. and it's like, I can't really say anything. There's some things that's going to involve the three of you. Probably, maybe bad, maybe good. Uh, I gotta go. Basically, that was, I was paraphrasing. Uh, and the girls, so like, now the girls are upset. And also people are like, oh, they have some horrible omen over them. You know, that they're never going to find husbands now. You know, they've ruined their lives by, by going up in front of the, t- the people and, and, having this done. And so the girls are very upset. And at the end of the night, they're like, well, forget that, witch. You know, let's swear allegiance to one another and take care of each other for our lives. And, you know, we'll always be best friends. And that's all fine and good. Except at the end of the night, Gunhild disappears. Though she doesn't actually disappear. She runs away with the seeress. She says, my mom's the worst. Please can I come live with you? Teach me how to be a witch. And the witch says, okay. And then we jump ahead. Many years. The sisters are still unwed and living at home. They're considered tainted, like I said, by the CRS's non-prophecy prophecy. And on this day, where when we open in the future, uh, raiders attack. Uh, they destroy the sisters' home and kill many people, several of their family members. And they kidnap Signy, but Odni escapes. Now she's on her own and she is determined to rescue her sister. Tragedy on this day has also struck Gunhild's home, and she realizes it's time to find out what the prophecy was that the witch wouldn't tell her. She's going to have to fight and struggle, they both are, to find their way back to each other and possibly uncover a plot that might go all the way to the top. There are lots of fantasy elements. There's magic. There's Norse myth. That was hard to say. Norse myth. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's the thing where it's just... Every time I read, it's just ridiculous to me that, you know, parents get to dictate, like, 
who these women are going to marry and what you're going to be when you grow up. And, and also then this prophecy, you know, says, oh, it's going to be horrible. So now nobody's going to want them. And so they're dealing with that. And then it's a book of like bonds about the bonds of friendship and family and also magic. I do want to give content warnings for mentions of serious things, including child abuse, miscarriage, child death, animal harm, animal death, war, violence, murder, loss of a loved one, and grief. That is The Weaver and the Witch Queen by Genevieve Gornicek. When you were saying how the uh, seer reacted, I was just imagining like, what if I went to a psychic and they were like, uh, gotta go, left the oven on. <laughs> or just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it, I, like, I don't know that, like, somebody needs to name this trope, you know, because I don't know that it has a name, but like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's really fun. Totally. Yeah. I love it. So for my first pick today, I have A Bainey Song by P. J. Lee Clark, whose work I absolutely love. He wrote Ring Shout, uh, The Black God's Drums, both amazing books. And A Bainey Song is a middle grade fantasy that is inspired by African and diaspora mythology and folklore. As much as I truly love wizards and dragons and elves and castles and all that, this book was such a great reminder that there are so, so many more worlds and characters to explore within fantasy. A character doesn't have to be a hobbit or even a demigod to have a hero's journey, and a Bainey song is the first in a series, and it was so much fun. Before we even meet our heroine, Abaini, the book starts with a scene in another village. It's the middle of the night, and there seems to be some kind of Pied Piper situation. There is a music that is enchanting and luring away all the children of that village. Someone cries out about the children being stolen, and then the book immediately takes us elsewhere. It is the morning of the Harvest Festival, which is also the day that Abaini celebrates her birthday. She is 12, not yet grown, but almost. She wakes up late and gets ready, which she makes much more complicated than it needs to be. And she goes out to see her family, who is already awake and preparing for the festival. Her mother embarrasses her by telling the story of her birth, and Abaini is totally tired of hearing this story. When Abaini's mother was pregnant with her, it was a very dry season and there hadn't been much rain at all. They were worried about the pregnancy and the village healer sent Abaini's father to see the old woman. And the old woman is in italics. The adults call her the old woman, but the children of the village call her a witch. Actually, I think some of the adults also, like under their breath or in private, call her a witch as well. She lived in the forest and hadn't come to the village in a long, long time. She gave Abaini's father a ritual to perform to help bring Abaini out, and apparently it worked because Abaini was born and also... It rained for the first time in a long, long time. Because of this, folks in the village call Abaini Little Rainbringer. So after her mother and family tells this story, Abaini's best friend Fomi shows up and they go to the village to explore everything, getting set up for the festival. And then the celebration is like going and it's loud and fun and exciting. There's dancing and there's costumes and there's plenty of eating. 
And then suddenly everyone just falls silent. The witch has come walking out of the forest toward everyone. She goes into the main meeting place to speak to the leaders of the village. Apparently, she had warned them to leave, that something very dangerous is coming, but the adults in the village did not take heed and they're basically ignoring her. She tells them she can no longer protect the village and she has come to collect her payment for protecting the village all these years. Her payment is to be one of the village's children. The villagers deny her this and say they'll protect themselves and start gearing up for war for whatever this thing is that the old woman says is coming. Abaini's mother goes to try to negotiate with the witch and ends up saying that the witch can take Abaini. Abaini overhears this as many of the children were eavesdropping, like literally up in the eaves of the building, listening in. Before she can object, the village is under attack. By terrifying creatures, it's not like it's even another village or anything like that. And it's really scary, and they snatch up all the adults and lure away all the children. The witch is only able to save Abaini. So, then Abaini is in the witch's care. She doesn't really know where she is or what she's supposed to be doing or who this old woman is that took her away from all her friends and family. She is angry and sad and wants revenge and wants to save her village. And she is very, very determined. I know it seems like I told you a lot, but honestly, this is just like the beginning of the book. It's so magical and the characters have depth and you get to learn and grow along with Abaini as she finds her footing and courage. It also has some surprises and it gets more complex than I usually see in a middle grade book. And I absolutely loved it. It's a Bainey song by P. J. Lee Clark. I have to say for like years now, at least once a week, I'm like, oh, I wish there was something like the dead Jin universe. Like I am chasing that feeling since I finished <laughs> Clark's dead in universe books you know there's the novel and the, mm -hmm. the short story and the novella and i'm just like i want it, everything to be like this it's just so good and i'm very excited to read this one too yeah. oh so good so my next pick for today is silver under nightfall reaper book one by rin jupico I missed talking about this when it came out in hardcover. I read it just after its release date uh, because it's over 500 pages long and I just did not get to it, but it is out in paperback today and it's so fun. Chupico is the author of many great YA books, including Anna Dressed in Blood, the Bone Witch series, and the new Are You Afraid of the Dark book, which came out a few weeks ago. This is a big, meaty messy vampire-slash-monster fantasy novel. Remy Pendergast is the main character. He is a reaper. He hunts and kills vampires in the kingdom. He's also an outcast. Supposedly, his mother was turned into a vampire right before he was born, so he might be part vampire, which makes him kind of an outcast, Plus, there are rumors that his father isn't his real father, and he's actually the vampire's baby. So people just, like, get out of the way and stay away from him for the most part. His father treats him horribly. He's very wealthy. He's very high up in the class system in their in their kingdom. And he's just, he's, 
he's terrible to Remy. He also, like, gets him to bed the wives of very influential men in the kingdom uh, to get information. Um, there's all these political uh, machinations going on. And the other reapers are awful to him because he's an outcast. Uh, so he only gets the hardest jobs and the most dangerous jobs. And they're always pretty surprised when he comes back from them. But he's got some awesome weapons that are made by his friend, his only friend, who is actually a vampire passing as a human. Uh, he rescued her uh, years ago, and now, like, they're buddies. And so at the beginning of this book, there's a whole lot going on. I'm so just hang in there. He gets word, or everyone gets word, of something terrible happening in the woods. Like, not just vampires, but, like, something completely obliterating people into pieces. Not only that, but there's something that they're calling the rot. Like I said, this is gross. This is a vampire novel. Vampires are catching the rot. And when they are killed, even if they're mostly demolished, they can pull themselves back together into something else and come back to life. They're growing into these almost indescribable meat things and they're becoming unkillable monsters. So this is worrying, uh, if you're a human and if you're a vampire. Uh, so the vampires and humans are attempting to make peace. They're going to meet and talk about things because they need to fight these monsters together. So there's this big party, and Remy is invited to the party, uh, and he meets vampire royalty, uh, this couple, this this young vampire and her fiancé, uh, and then later encounters them again, after the party when he has a run-in with one of these monsters in the woods. Now, not only is this monster a problem, but the host of the party is murdered. And Remy stands accused because he was having relations with this man's wife to get information for his dad. But instead, the vampire couple, who outrank everybody in the kingdom, insist that he investigate the murder with their help. Are you still with me? While he's investigating this, he may be also able to find out who the vampire was who turned his mother. There's a lot going on. It's really bloody and really gross and really fun and also really funny. There is this part at the beginning where they're having like a profanity contest trying to come up with hilarious profane words and there's one involving a rabbit that I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Um, but like I said, there's a lot going on in this book from the get-go. There are so many names of towns, of people, of courts. There's like five courts in the kingdom, but two of them have been destroyed. But there is mention of the people that used to live in them who were also killed. There's vampire courts. Then everybody has like their official titles, plus their names, plus their nicknames. And I'm not going to lie. I'll be completely honest. I was a bit lost at first at the beginning, but I just kind of like settled into it and went with it. And it all sort of sorts itself out. Like you get it, you know. Like, if you love fantasy books, you know that they all have, like, a million different words and titles, and you, and you just get it. Um, so we follow this unlikely trio on their quest to solve the mystery, find the problem of the rot, all this other stuff. It's such a good time. I feel like it's one of the unsung great fantasy novels of 2022. There is a second book coming in April. Like I mentioned, this is really bloody and violent, almost cartoonishly so, but it comes with basically every content warning that there is, including mentions of graphic violence, an adult minor relationship, injury, gore, animal death, human death, illness, loss of a loved one, sexual assault, and torture. This is Silver Under Nightfall 
Reaper, book one by Rin Jupiko. Ooh. I also have a book full of murder uh, to talk about. Yay. I was trying to think where I came up with that word. I think it's from watching... Oh, I'm not going to remember the name of it now. <laughs> Paula Pell's... Paula Pell has this little, like, murder she wrote spoof that was on Acorn or something. And every time someone said the word murder, they would say, murder. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm going to integrate that into my vernacular. Yeah. Even better if you just say the word murder for, like, no reason in conversations that it's not even important. I'm going to use it how Smurfs use Smurfs. <laughs> yeah. Would you like a bag? Murder. <laughs> Can I have a murder to murder my murder? Um, (laughs) So let's see. I have Their Vicious Games by Joelle Wellington. I could not put this book down. It's a young adult thriller and content warnings for a whole lot of violence. Uh, Really, I mean, just lots of violence and also racism. Our protagonist, Adina Walker, goes to Edgewater Academy. Edgewater is a prestigious private school full of rich and mostly white students. Adina is neither. Both her parents are professors at the school, and she, one of the only black students, is there on scholarship. Edgewater Academy was founded by the Remington family, and Adina is in the same graduating class as the Remington heir, Pierce Maxwell Remington IV. The book starts on graduation day just after the ceremony. Adina is not happy. In fact, she is seething with anger and seems to have been for a while. Her best friend Tony, the other black woman in her class, is trying to cheer her up by inviting her to go to the bonfire that night. Something happened during the school year where Adina lost her cool and her former friend Esme made sure that Adina's early admission to Yale was rescinded. In fact, the whole admission to Yale was rescinded, thanks to Esme's trifling self. Adina wants to get back what is rightfully hers, which she worked her butt off for the entire time she was at Edgewater since she was like six or eight years old. Like, she just worked her butt off every year. And it's not like she can call up the Yale admissions office and beg for her spot back, but she has an idea. The Remington family puts on a competition after graduation. A group of young women is handpicked by the family to compete for a couple of weeks up at the estate. Adina is kind of unclear on what the competition entails, but it's said to be incredibly rigorous. The winner basically gets the world handed to them. Anything they want. The Remington family could get Adina's spot at Yale back in a single phone call. They are that powerful. The competition is called The Finish, and Adina wants in. Adina does not want to go to this bonfire that Tony's trying to get her to go to or really see any of these clowns that she graduated with ever again, but Pierce is going to be there, and if anyone can get her an invite to compete in The Finish, it's Pierce. So, when uh, Tony and Adina get to the bonfire, they find Charles, who is Pierce's best friend and also Tony's brother, and they overhear Pierce nearby and his longtime girlfriend, Penthesalia, arguing. 
Pierce storms away and Adina follows him because she is on a mission and will not be deterred no matter what kind of mood he's in. She finds him and they exchange some witty banter and then they exchange a bit more. Before Adina could ask him for an invite to the finish, they're interrupted by yelling. They make their way back to the group and Pierce is impressed with the quickness by which Adina is defending Tony against her nemesis Esme. He starts to see Adina in a new light and Pierce's older brother Graham advises against even considering inviting Adina to the finish. The girls who get picked for the finish are always white and extremely wealthy. Before Adina can respond to Pierce, they're interrupted yet again, and Adina and Tony end up leaving. The next morning, Adina's father tells her that she has mail, which is super weird because it's a Sunday. It is an exquisitely wrapped brown package with a small white envelope. It is a personal invitation from Pierce Maxwell Remington IV himself for Adina to take part in the finish. Twelve girls are chosen to prove their vigor, valor, and ambition to the Remington family. The winner receives infinite opportunity and support from the Remington family. When Adina arrives at the estate, her cell phone and connection to the outside world are taken for the two weeks of the competition. It is not what she expects. It is much, much more horrifying than she ever imagined. If you are a reader who enjoyed The Hunger Games, then you really need to get your hands on this book. It is amazing. And it's also like there's so many parts of it that are just so messed up and I could not tear my eyes away from it. It's Their Vicious Games by Joelle Wellington. All right. And now we are going to hear from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eilin. Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased more sus when he and Shuei barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. 
Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Okay, true to form, we have talked for a very long time for the first four books, so we're going to have to blow through these next recommendations to meet our time. So I am going to kick that off. Right now we are going to talk about more of today's releases in hardcover and paperback that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read. And I am going to kick that off with one of my favorite books of all time, Glaciers by Alexis Smith, because it is being reissued by Tin House today. And I'm so excited. I don't have the new copy. It has a foreword by Maris Kreisman, which is really exciting. It is one of the most perfect books I have ever read. Like, when I think of perfect books, I think of this one. It is a tiny little novel with the most beautiful writing, the most beautiful sad story. It's about a woman named Isabel. She's a 20-something in the Pacific Northwest. She works at a library restoring damaged books. She loves shopping in secondhand stores and pining for the man who fixes her computer. While she's doing this, she's also thinking about her childhood in Alaska and what it means that the glaciers are now melting. This book is so small. It's 174 pages. It's lovely. It's light on action, but big on heart and exposition and gorgeous writing. It was one of my best-selling staff picks when I worked at the bookstore. I hand-sold this all the time, and people would come back and say, more like this one, please. And I would have to be like, I'm sorry, there isn't anything else like it. You're going to love it. I will say that the new cover is very pretty, but I'm a little sad that they changed the old cover because I also thought it was just like one of the most beautiful, perfect covers that there was. But I'm excited that this is going back out into the hands of more people who will surely love it. It is Glaciers by Alexis Smith. Okay, I have The Bookbinder, a novel by Pip Williams. This is a new book out today that I have not yet read. I rarely read books that are set during World War One or World War Two, but with a title like The Bookbinder, I couldn't resist taking a closer look at this one. The book begins in 1914, as does World War I, and it focuses on a pair of twin sisters, Peggy and Maud. As happened during the World Wars, a lot of the men were drafted, and so women were the ones to keep everything running back home. Not just in the homes, but commerce and industry and all that as well. Peggy and Maud are bindery girls, that is, they work as bookbinders at the Oxford University Press. While Maud is quiet and content doing the work they do, Peggy is ambitious and desperately wants to be reading the books and educating herself, not just binding the books for others. Belgian refugees arrive and turn Peggy and Maud's world upside down. Peggy falls in love and starts to consider that maybe she can move beyond the particular labor she has been doing. The author of this book also wrote The Dictionary of Lost Words, which was a Reese's Book Club pick, so you may want to check this book out. It is The Bookbinder, a novel by Pip Williams. All right, and my other pick for today, I have not read, but I know that so many of you are going to be excited to hear that it is now in existence. It is The Last Ranger by Peter Heller. Heller is the author of several highly acclaimed novels, including Celine, The Dog Stars, and The Painter. He is known 
for his beautiful writing, his stories have gorgeous settings, and usually occasional jarring violence. This one is about a park ranger in Yellowstone National Park. He just wants to do his job and be left alone, but on his day off, he encounters a poacher and uncovers a deeper, darker conspiracy and plot, and which leads him to meeting lots of unusual characters. If you've been listening to the show, you know that I am very sensitive to animal death in books, so I am not sure that a book about a poacher is something that I am going to pick up. I have a friend who is reading it right now, so he can give me an idea of what I'm getting myself into if I decide to read it. But I do love Peter Heller. The Dog Stars is just oh, amazing. So I am excited for everyone else who is excited that this book is out. It is The Last Ranger by Peter Heller. And for my last pick, I have Intermission by Phyllis R. Dixon. This is also a new book out today that I have not yet read, but it is definitely on my TBR. This one is for fans of the musical Dreamgirls. Yes. The movie Waiting to Exhale and the R&B girl groups of the 90s and maybe early aughts like Destiny's Child, SWV, and Vogue, Jade, TLC, the list goes on and on. In fact, I was listening to the I Love My 90s R&B playlist while I wrote up my notes for this book. Intermission is fiction about such a 90s girl group called The Diamonds, made of Angel, Doreen, Carmen, and Jade. The Diamonds had shot up just to the edge of stardom before everything came crumbling down. Carmen's mother was the group's manager, but then she got ousted for a flashier manager, and when that happened, Carmen left and everything fell apart. Now the women are older with whole other lives, but a reunion of the diamonds is in the works and it might be the thing that turns all their lives around. Maybe they can reclaim their place in the music industry and move beyond where they were when it all crashed. But there are added layers of difficulty now. There are sons who are getting in trouble, past drug addictions, current marriages, and egos that never took a break. Plus, being a celebrity now is very different than in the 90s. Can they even handle it? This book sounds like a juicy mess, and I'm excited to read it. It's out today. It's Intermission by Phyllis R. Dixon. Oh, right. Now we're going to talk about a few paperback releases the paperback lightning round. I'm going to kick it off with Such Sharp Teeth by Rachel Harrison. Harrison is the author of The Return and Cackle. This is her werewolf story and one of my favorite tropes, which is returning to your hometown never leads to anything good. Uh, so I'm very excited for this to be out in paperback. And she has a new book coming out on September 19th called Black Sheep, which is also awesome. Three Assassins by Kotaro Isaka and translated by Sam Melissa. This is from the author of Bullet Train and part of his Tokyo's Criminal Underworld series. This one is about three assassins with very specific specialities. And the next book in this series is called The Mantis and is coming out on November 7th. How to Be Eaten by Maria Adelman. I loved this book. It's a modern-day support group for women from classic tales, including Bluebeard's Wife, Little Red Riding Hood, and Gretel. It's funny. It's dark. It's fierce. I loved it. I also loved Daisy Darker by Alice Feeney, which is a banana pants locked room 
or possibly locked house mystery about a beloved children's author who gathers her estranged family on her private island for her 80th birthday. Uh, when the tides come in, no one can get off the island for eight hours at a time. This happens shortly after everyone arrives. By midnight, the author is dead, and now they have to find out who did it and who's going to make it off the island when the tides go back out. The Genesis of Misery by Neon Yang. Joan of Arc in space. Does that sound great? Then this is the book you want to pick up. Misery hears an angel telling them that they are the chosen one. But is it too much exposure to space or are the voices real? Calling for a Blanket Dance by Oscar Hokia. I feel like this is one of the most criminally overlooked books of last year. And it still got a ton of awards including the Pan America Hemingway Award for Debut Novel. This is a multi-generational novel about a man named Ever growing up in Oklahoma. He is trying to figure out who he is and what he should do with his life. If you want to hear more about this book, you can listen to the July 26, 2022 episode of All the Books, where I talked about it. And just add this to your TBR now. You won't be sorry. The Whalebone Theater by Joanna Quinn. This is historical fiction about... When a whale carcass washes up on the beach in England, all is left is the bones. The kids take the bones and turn it into a theater where they perform. Fast forward to years later during World War II and how the kids have now taken their time performing and used it to help them as spies during the war. Sweet, Soft, Plenty Rhythm by Laura Worrell. Debut about a jazz musician named Circus and the various women in his life including a lover, his ex, and his estranged daughter. And some paperback originals today, The Sun and the Void by Gabriela Romero La Cruz, which I think Vanessa was reading when we last recorded, she was talking about it. This is inspired by the history and folklore of colonial South America, and it involves two women on a quest who must face old gods and dark magic. And Emergent Properties by Amy Ogden about a state-of-the-art AI-turned-investigative reporter who is trying to solve the biggest mystery of Zero Life, the 10 missing days wiped from Zero Memory. So those are paperbacks out today. Patricia, what are you going to read next? Ooh, so many books. So I am trying to gather up the courage <laughs> to read A Fish Has No Word for Water, a punk homeless San Francisco memoir by my friend Violet Blue. My heart is very tender this year and reading about my friend growing up homeless, I know is going to be a lot, but it is absolutely guaranteed to be an amazing book. I also just started on audio, Real Self-Care, a transformative program for redefining wellness, crystals, cleanses, and bubble baths not included by Dr. Pooja Lakshman. And also I have on the docket, The Siren, The Song, and The Spy by Maggie Takuda Hall, which comes out September 26th. It is the sequel to The Mermaid, The Witch, and the Sea, which I was absolutely obsessed with when it came out. How about you? What are you reading next? I am going to pick up Anita DeMonte Laughs Last by Sochil Gonzalez, which comes out on March 5th. Gonzalez is the author of Olga Dies Dreaming, which was a big hit when it came out. Was that last year? I think maybe two years ago now. Who even knows? 
And I also got my hands on Out There Screaming, an anthology of new black horror edited by Jordan Peele. And the contributors to this book include P. Jelly Clark, who we mentioned at the top of the show, Tanana Reeve Du, Nalo Hopkinson, N.K. Jemison, Nettie Okorafor, Tochi Onyabuchi, and Cadwell Turnbull. That is some serious talent all in one place, plus a bunch of other authors. It's going to be great. This one comes out on October 3rd. Oh my gosh, I need I need to get my hands on a copy of that book. I'm just super into horror right now. I don't know why. I still haven't read horror because I am a baby, but I keep, <laughs> I, I aspire to read horror. Like, I go through phases where I'm like, I'm too sensitive for horror right now. I need, like, books about tea and <laughs> kittens. But right now I'm like, I want something that's really scary. I want to read horror, but I'm just a little yeah. guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want a Smurf, but I'm just a Smurfing Smurf. <laughs> that is it for us today. You can search First Edition in your podcast player of choice and subscribe to that. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Patricia, where can people find you online? You can find me pretty much everywhere. Everywhere at theinfofile.com. That's T-H-E-I-N-F-O-P-H-I-L-E. I'm mostly on Instagram, but I have the Twitter. I have the Blue Ski, which some people say Blue Sky. I like saying Blue Ski. Um, I know, that's so funny. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere. All right. And you can find me on Instagram at Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us, and we thank you so much for that. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy happy reading. reading!